Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to week six of the college football season and a brand new episode of The Blackout coming to you from bellyupsports.com. I am Thomas Black, your host, and I cannot wait to get into more college football with you this week as we prepare for another big weekend in the game of college football. And on this week's episode, I've got for you some more blackmail, as well as another interview with Nick Delatori from GatorCountry.com as the number 10 Florida Gators get ready to host the number 7 Auburn Tigers, a game in which another undefeated team will go down. Week 5 offered a lot of intrigue and questions surrounding the top-ranked team in America. So let's get into this week's blackmail. Here's Cameron in Charlotte, North Carolina. The Tigers are not who you thought they were. And the Heels let them off the hook. But they are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. Thomas, for three minutes last week, you ranted and raved on and on and on about how you had no idea on what to tell Matt Brown on how he could stop the Tigers. You're acting like their, their, their offensive line is invincible. Their defensive line uh, is going to you know get to us all day. How are we going to stop uh, ETN and Trevor Lawrence? Well, we outrushed the Tigers. ETN didn't have, you know, too big of a game. Um, also, um, our leading tackler was Chaz Surratt, who was our quarterback last year. Two tackles for loss, uh, seven tackles overall, and a, and a sack. How's that great offensive line going to let a former quarterback through? Thomas, I just want to know. What was your reaction to that game Saturday? It was almost a thrill up in Chapel Hill, if you know what I mean. Did we expose the Tigers for who they really are? Or does UNC deserve a little bit more credit than you give them? If you remember, Thomas, once again, another game for UNC has come down to the last minute. We're 2-3, and three, but we could easily have been 5-0. and oh. So... Are the heels really as, as good as they uh, seemed on Saturday? Or are the Tigers exposed? And should people down in Clemson, South Carolina be starting to panic? I hear you, Cameron. You know, there is so much to get into with this Clemson game at North Carolina in a near stunner in Chapel Hill. And I'll keep on giving your Tar Heels some credit. You know, I thought I did plenty after they started 2-0 and had upset wins in each of the first two weeks, and then they went on to lose a couple of games. You know, they fell to 2-2, two and two, no big shocker. But to me, this is the most stunning result of the season so far for North Carolina. They had the opportunity to take this one to overtime. They had the opportunity to run a two-point conversion, which they tried to win the game. That would have been unbelievable. They're sitting at 2-3, and three, and every single game has been a one-score game. I guess for that matter, Cameron, you got to remember, while they could be 5-0, and 
They could be 0-5 as well. Still, I think Mac Brown has done a phenomenal job in the first five weeks of the season for this North Carolina team. I don't know how you could have expectations higher than what they've accomplished so far. I think an awful lot of the credit has to go to North Carolina in this performance in keeping this game close. On the other hand, though, you ask whether Clemson fans should panic. And, you know, I don't think so. Of course, this was a surprising game. It didn't look good. And, of course, it would look a lot worse if North Carolina had actually pulled off the two-point conversion and won the game. But, like we've talked about several times here on the show, you've got to remember, Clemson has one of the easiest schedules in the entire country. Certainly, they've got to figure some things out. And they've got to play a lot better than they did against North Carolina. But the talent is there, and the schedule is easy enough that even if they have a couple more sloppy games, they could still easily probably finish 12-0. I think the one that you definitely have to circle at this point in time because of how Clemson has played down to the competition a little bit and because of the quality of play of this opponent, the 11th game of the season against Wake Forest. That game is in Clemson, so that's a factor, and there's a lot of games in between now and then. So I'd expect that Clemson's probably playing a lot better by that point in the season, but I think that's one more opponent that you have to circle and say, hey, they may give Clemson a run for their money. I think there's also a really relevant question as to where this Clemson team should be ranked right now after their performance against North Carolina. You know, by now, everybody's seen the AP Top 25. Clemson fell out of the number one spot, They dropped to number two. Alabama took over the top seat. I wasn't really sure if Clemson was going to lose enough first place votes to knock them out of number one after the weekend. Of course, we find out they did. But where should Clemson really be ranked? Is number two right? Clemson fans, you're not going to like hearing this, but legitimately, I think right now, if you're looking at Clemson's resume versus other teams around the country, other top contenders... In my book right now, I think I look at Clemson as about the 7th or 8th best team in the country. That's right. Because of quality wins that other teams have or complete domination that other teams have shown against easier competition, I think legitimately you could fit Clemson in more toward the middle of the top 10 or maybe even the back half of the top 10 for where they stand right now. But it's okay, Tiger fans, if that team keeps on winning games as they should, as I fully expect they will, they'll be fine. And if they go 12-0, and they'll be ranked in the top four in the country, and they'll be going to the college football playoff again with a chance to defend their national title. And of course, they'd have to go ahead and win the ACC championship game as well, which for what it's worth, could be another interesting game. You know, I talked about Wake Forest, and right now, Who's the best team in the Coastal? I think it's got to be Virginia. Just go back and look at the game they played against Notre Dame. They were highly, highly competitive in that game, and it was a couple of turnovers that separated that thing and allowed the Fighting Irish to pull away. So at this point, you know, Clemson's going to be favored in every game they play. But I don't know that it's a flat-out given that they run the table and go 13-0 all the way through the ACC unless they start playing up to the caliber to which we've seen them play each of the last few seasons. Now, if you find yourself like Cameron and want to get your call into the blackout to field your questions, your comments, rants, or raves on the game of college football, you can go ahead and call 706-406-3566. That number's open 24-7, 365 for anything that you want to contribute to the blackout. 
Now, as I head off to break, be sure you stick around for another interview with Nick Delatori from GatorCountry.com as he previews number 10, Florida, hosting number 7, Auburn, coming up this Saturday. I'm Thomas Black, and you can follow me on Twitter at TB on the Blackout. Welcome back to the show, and now joining the Blackout once again, beat reporter for GatorCountry.com. He is Nick Delatori. Nick, welcome back. How are you doing today? Uh, I'm doing great. Glad to be back, and uh, it's a, another big one. I'm guessing you didn't want to talk Townsend last week, but uh, <laughs> big, big game in the swamp, so I'm happy to be back with you here. Hey, you're exactly right. I didn't want any piece of you last week, but I'm glad to have you back this week. Uh, as uh, you look at the Gators and what they have coming in this week, obviously it's a massive showdown. The number 10 team in the country hosts the number 7 Auburn Tigers. Uh, Nick, as you look at this, obviously, I think this is by far the finest competition that the Gators have faced so far. Just what kind of a challenge do you see uh, that the Tigers present coming up from Auburn? Uh, I mean, easily the biggest challenge. Uh, We didn't really know what Miami was, you know, heading into that week zero game, but turns out they aren't very good. Uh, Kentucky loses their starting quarterback right before the game, and They've kind of struggled trying to figure it out with Sawyer Smith after that. So hands down, the best competition Florida has faced um, to this point. I, I think the biggest thing for me with Florida is you got to start with the running game. and They haven't gotten it going. I thought last week Towson came in allowing 222 yards on average on the ground. I thought, hey, this is the week to do it for Florida. Dan Mullen's offenses always run, build off of the run to help the passing game. You've got a team that is giving up that kind of yardage against lesser competition. Get, get it going this week, build some confidence, make your offensive line feel good. Then they rush for a buck 60. So yeah, if you're Florida, I mean, you're not going to go full Mike Leach uh, air raid um, or Dana Holgerson, West Virginia style air raid, but you're, you're not getting your running game going against Auburn. So you're going to have to find other ways um, to win the football game this week. And in, in what is, you know, uh, the beginning of a four game stretch that'll really be the season for Florida. It sure is. It's going to be a difficult road. You already brought it up. So I'm going to hit on it first. You mentioned that Gator rushing attack against the Auburn defense, man, it's going to be tough. I think that you're looking at a situation where Auburn's defense is very likely to limit the Gators in that area of the field. So uh, by your estimation, is there any way to get that running game going outside of Kyle Trask, just having the game of his life, or is the game really just going to be on his shoulders to, you know, not blow the thing up, not throw a bunch of interceptions, but uh, if they're going to get any running game going, is it simply on the shoulders of Kyle Trask getting the passing game going first? I think it's good until Florida. I'm at the point where until Florida proves otherwise, until they show me otherwise. Yeah. And it's not just because of Auburn. uh, That's going to be every game because you, you you haven't been able to run against FCS opponents really. Uh, And I know they ran for 231 against UT Martin, but a lot of that was games in hand and they're just running the ball in garbage time and picking up some yards. So until they prove otherwise. Yeah. I mean, that's the book on Florida. They can't run the ball. Um, and they have a quarterback who's thrown, I think, 77 career passes. So yeah, make him win the game. And the funny thing is, for as bad as Florida's offensive line has been trying to create running lanes, they've been 
pretty decent in, in terms of pass protection. And when I look at Auburn, I, not taking away anything from their defensive line. They have the top 10, um, top 10 pick in the NFL draft, and they just have so many guys. They just keep rolling them in. There's really no break on that line, but they haven't been great in getting to the quarterback. Um, and they only have one interception on the year. So I think if Florida, if I'm Florida, I'm looking at that and saying, okay, well, if we can protect Kyle Trask and we can come up with some swing plays, uh, you know, swing passes, screen passes, that tunnel screen that they scored on with Keon Zipperer um, late in the game last week, if we can do stuff like that, which you can kind of use as an extension of the running game, if we're not going to be able to run between the tackles, what are some ways to get the ball out of his hands quickly that you can kind of uh, mimic a running game or use that as your running game. So I think that's where Florida will go to um, in lieu of not being able to run the ball uh, against Auburn. Now we talk about about the quarterback position a lot. Kyle Trask has obviously done a decent job since he stepped in. Uh, but for those who haven't seen this Florida program, maybe since week zero, uh, you know, not facing the biggest competition, just the devastating injury to Felipe Franks, the dislocated ankle against Kentucky, uh, that has to be challenging on this team to transition to a guy like Kyle Trask, but they've done a pretty good job with it. What is the biggest difference in this team and this offense as a whole when you're looking at the transition from Franks to Trask, now the starting quarterback? Well, I had kind of gotten dragged a little bit by some Gator fans. And um, when Kyle, Kyle Trask and Felipe Franks actually both enrolled in the same class, they both enrolled early. Uh, and from what I saw early on, I thought Kyle Trask would be the next starter. And obviously that didn't pan out for one reason or another. Felipe Franks beat him out fair and square. Kyle Trask has had some injuries he's had to deal with along the way as well. But they're very similar quarterbacks. They're both really big. Felipe's 6'6". Kyle's a, a legitimate 6'4". Um, 240 pounds. He's a big guy, physical, physical runner, not afraid to run kind of like Felipe. So when he went down uh, and I get that a lot of people didn't know about Kyle because he'd only thrown a handful of passes uh, in garbage time. But us here in Gainesville thought the offense doesn't change much because they're so similar. Now, if you didn't have Kyle and and you had to go to Emory Jones, I think that's when, okay, well, we got to scrap what we're doing and, and really kind of figure out ways to make him successful. Um, but the offense hasn't really changed much. The, the, the really still running the same kind of plays. There's a little bit less. Um, they're asking, they're asking him to run a little bit less. I think there are more zone reads with Felipe. If anything is different, um, there's less designed running plays with Kyle Trask. Um, you know, is his arm as big as Felipe's? No, but if Felipe can throw it 80 yards, Kyle can throw it 70. Um, and, and, and I think he's also this in the same way as Frank's a willing runner. Is he Johnny Menzel, Cam Newton, Tim Tebow? No. But when asked to, Hey, we need you to go and get four yards here on third and four, just lower your shoulder and, and, and try to get those four. He's willing to do stuff like that. There's questions certainly around the quarterback position as things to develop for the Gators. There's also an interesting situation when you flip over to the Tigers with Auburn. The true freshman, Bo Nix, has come in. He's been successful, uh, but they have not asked an awful lot of him so far this year. He finally had his breakout game passing the ball, throwing for nearly 350 yards against Mississippi State. Uh, But if I'm the Gators, you tell me what you think, but if I'm the Gators, I'm sitting here thinking, man, if we can do anything to stop the Auburn rushing attack, do that and force the freshman to beat this defense. Is that what you're looking at as well? hundred percent. And that's, that's, that's the game plan. It's almost, you know, sell out against the run and, and you're going to get CJ Henderson back if you're Florida. So you feel good about CJ Henderson trading and Marco Wilson. 
um, and, and your safeties with Brad Stewart and Sean Davis coming back as well this week. So yeah, that's, that's it. And Hey, if we need to play man and, and just stack the box and, and make, make him sit back there and pick us apart to beat us. Yeah, that's absolutely the case. Um, I mean, Bo played in a tough environment. This isn't his first road game. He played at Kyle field, which I know Gator fans don't like to hear, but Kyle field's probably as loud as the swamp. Um, and that's a great environment. And he went and had a good game against Texas A&M. But yeah, I think Todd Grantham looks and sees uh, a freshman quarterback and, and he goes into his bag of blitzes and, 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 you know, pulls them all out this week. So hundred percent, I think Florida's goal and probably Auburn's goal. They're probably both coming in with very similar game plans is stop the run, make the, unex- the inexperienced green quarterback beat us. Now we've talked already about maybe the biggest area of concern for the Florida Gators, that running game against the Auburn defense. Can you flip that around? Tell me what is the biggest advantage that Florida has going into this game? What uh, part of the field, offense or defense, where does that lie and what can they take advantage of that gives them the best opportunity to win this game? Neither. It's special teams. I think, <laughs> I think, I think, uh, and I, I know I'm the punters are people too guy, but I think the if you look at, and Dan Mullins kind of shied away from this comparison, but if you look at the Mississippi State game from last year, similar, similar game in the standpoint of the talent that Mississippi State had and what Florida did that game was protect the ball, keep the ball, try to build a drive, don't get too risky. We have a great punter. We're going to try to flip the field. And maybe if we started on our, our 30 on our first drive, maybe with a good punt, and the defense is three and out, we can start We can start with the ball at our 45. And you kind of just start playing the field position game. And, and you can go up and look at their stats and charts. And depending on where you start, you have a better likelihood uh, of scoring. So I think it's in a game that I really anticipate being uh, a tight defensive matchup, you have to start trying to find those hidden yards. So I think Florida's um, – and if you, look at, if you look at Auburn, Auburn's not very a very good punt cover team. Florida has a couple guys in Freddie Swain, Josh Hammond. Um, and then you could even throw, you know, a Jacob Copeland back there for a, a punt or a kick return. Um, I think that's a, an area that I think Florida this week has already looked at and, and they're talking about and an area that they think they can exploit. So it's, it's not just, you know, and Evan McPherson is a great field goal kicker, um, stuff like that. But when you're talking about tight, close games, it's those little things that can make the difference. And, and if you're talking about starting field position for one team being their own 20 versus another team being at the 45, you probably think, well, the team that started with the better field position probably wins that game. Yeah. Now, as we look at this thing, you know, it's amazing to say that we're nearly halfway through the season for the Florida Gators. Oh, man. <laughs> it's going by fast. They're sitting at 5-0. and And as you said, this next month is just ridiculous, the schedule. Uh, but I want to know, Nick, you were kind of high on expectations, kind of, I guess kind of medium high on Florida coming into this year. You know, you said you weren't up there with the people that were saying they're going to make the playoff, but you thought they could contend for the SEC East. Mm-hmm. Has your opinion of this team changed through the first five weeks, and where do you see them as they work their way through the rest of the season? Uh, call me around 10 p.m. on Saturday after <laughs> I see how they handle Auburn, and then, and then we'll talk about it. Um, I, I don't, I, I don't think it's, it's changed. And I just don't think I've, I don't think I've seen other than uh, I'm very surprised that Florida can't run the ball. Um, yeah. Very surprised. And that's really the only thing I've learned. Um, I, you know, this stretch of games, I mean, I could see, I could see Florida going one and three in this stretch of games. And then I'm, you know, no, they're not, they're not going to, they're not going to, you know, go to the East. But if you can go, 
three and one, two and two. And I think we're going to this, you know, these next really these next two weeks with, with Auburn and then a trip to Baton Rouge night, Saturday night in death Valley. That's a crazy atmosphere um, that they'll have to get by. I think I'm going to learn a lot more about, I'll know a lot more about Florida at 10 PM when, you know, once the uh, six hour CBS game is over um, than I do right now. But I think right now, you know, gun to my head. Yes. I, I, I my opinion hasn't changed about Florida. I still think, um, you know, that game in Jacksonville will, the winner of that will go to Atlanta. Now, as we look, I'll just go ahead and ask you, you know, you said, wait till this game's over, but what's your prediction for this game? What happens? Do the Florida Gators come away with a win and a top 10 matchup and find their way to six and zero, or do you look at the Auburn Tigers thinking it's just too big of a challenge for the Gators? Yeah, I think, I mean, other than, other than if one team comes out and has a really sloppy game with turnovers and, and, you know, starts handing points, I see this game being close. Um, And I think my prediction is going to be 21, 20 Florida, something in the, in the low or in the high teens to the low twenties, I think is where this game kind of lives. And um, both teams, I think, because I think both teams will uh, drives will be limited. I think both teams will try to keep their offenses on, on the field to try to tire the other defense out, try to string some things together. And I think both teams will be trying to play a field position game. So it might be, might not be the most exciting game. Um, but I, I'm thinking, you know, that high teens, low twenties uh, for Florida and Auburn. Hey, I'm with you. If any team gets into the mid twenties, they probably are the winner in this one. I can't wait for it. It's going to be a blast. Nick, I hope you really enjoy the game. And uh, before I get out of here, last time you were here, we talked about the banana stand. So I've got to know, who is your all-time favorite character from Arrested Development? Uh, man, I like Bob Lava. Um, not the character, <laughs> just like whenever they would say Bob Lava. Um, I like maybe. I, I, I'm probably going to have to go with Tobias was like so cringeworthy, but I liked it. Yeah. Um, there's no wrong answer, you know? There's so many yeah, options. There's really, no wrong, there's really no wrong answer. I've got to go with I'm Buster. Gonna go, I'm going to go with Lucille. Buster's a good one. He's funny. <laughs> I'm going to go with Lucille. There I you go. I think she's hilarious. It's, uh, yeah, Lucille's, Lucille's dry, sarcastic humor, I think, matches, uh, matches well with me. Not that everyone on that show wasn't dry and sarcastic. But I'm going to go with Lucille. <laughs> I like it. Hey, Nick, I really appreciate the time. Look forward to what happens in this game. And uh, who knows, maybe we'll find another time to reconnect as we go throughout the rest of the season. Hey, if Florida wins, I expect a phone call from you next week uh, <laughs> on my way to Baton Rouge. All right, I'll hold you to it, and I guess you'll hold me to it as well. So we'll talk again sometime yeah. soon, and uh, enjoy the game. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. He is Nick Delatory of GatorCountry.com, and anytime you want, you can find his work right there at GatorCountry.com and at Nick Delatory GC on Twitter. Man, he's such a great interview here on the show, but he's still holding on to that slim shot that Florida has to be a contender in the SEC East. And he went with Florida for a one-point win over the Auburn Tigers. Man, I tell you what, I've been so surprised this week. I've seen so many writers, radio personalities, Lots of people covering college football are picking Florida to win this game. I know it's only a three-point spread or so. The Tigers on the road are a slight favorite. Uh, but in my mind, you just look at this Auburn team, and I think there's been a lot of growth since their early season debut against Oregon. And I just think flat out they're a better team than Florida. Auburn's schedule has been way more difficult than Florida's to this point. 
Florida, I believe, has had one of the easiest schedules to start the season, and they nearly lost two of the games they've played so far. You switch that around to what Auburn has done recently, going on the road to Texas A&M and controlling the large majority of that game, and then hosting Mississippi State and just blowing the wheels off of that team. That's back-to-back performances from the Tigers that I don't think the Florida Gators are capable of replicating. So I'm going with the Tigers on the road in this one. I mean, I'm with Nick. I think it's going to be a pretty close game. But I think the difference is simply in the fact that Auburn has a more diverse offense than what the Gators have. Give me Auburn over Florida, 24-17. And now if I could ask all of you to do me one more big favor, go on over to bellyupsports.com, jump on the college football forum, and find the game of the week for this week, Auburn and Florida, Go in there and enter your pick, a winner, and a final score. If any one person picks exactly right, then you get a free t-shirt out of the Belly Up Sports Shop, including what could be one of the first blackout t-shirts distributed. If multiple correct guesses are given, then all the names will be thrown into a hat and one name will be drawn to get the free t-shirt from Belly Up Sports. I am Thomas Black, your host, and I hope you'll join me again next week for another episode of The Blackout. Blackout.